Blog Talk Radio. Nation, it is Friday. You are tuned into page one. I am LeVar, and as always, I am joined by my lovely co-host, Mary. What's going on? Not a whole heck of a lot. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, or as I said earlier, I think we'll call this just for today, Opejo One. Or <laughs> Opejo, well, you got it. Well, yeah, page 10 or page 01, I, I don't know, however you want to put it. St. Patrick's Day weekend, wherever you are at, and of course here in Chicago, uh, that is where uh, we normally dye the river green, which is actually a Or let the river just be its own color. Yeah, pretty much. We just tell everybody, you know, just all flush your toilets at the same time and then it turns green. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> or a lovely shade of brown. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are here. <laughs> you know, well, you know that joke actually is the best thing of the week. I've had, I think, I think we can all say we've had a better week than H and R Block or Carnival. Um, <laughs> not a good week for them, but um, hopefully it has been a good week for all of you. And actually today, not that well, not that much to talk about. Just a couple, few quick things, but. Um, one was a topic I brought up to Mary last week, and I know it is something uh, near and dear to her heart. And this story actually was from last week, but I wanted to bring it up here because it, it brings about a debate that I think a lot of us who are sports fans still have an issue with. And a U.S. District Court in Connecticut ruled that competitive cheerleading, despite some upgrades, is not a sport. And it says that Quinnipiac, or Quinnipiac, I'm going to get that correctly. University must remain under an injunction that requires the school to keep its women's volleyball team. Now, several volleyball players and their coach successfully sued the university in 2009 after it announced it would eliminate volleyball for budgetary reasons and replace it with a competitive cheer squad. Now, U.S. District Court Judge uh, Stefan R. Underhill ruled in their favor, saying that competitive cheerleading had not developed enough to be considered a college sport for Title IX purposes and he ordered the school to keep the volleyball team and come up with a compliance plan. And his latest ruling last Monday, he said that the additions of the cheer team, now called acrobatics and tumbling, and a women's rugby team do not get a university female students competitive opportunities equal to those offered to male students, and he denied the school's request to lift his previous injunction. The school, of course, is disappointed with the ruling, but says it remains committed to its long-standing plans to continue expanding opportunities in women's athletics. And, of course, if you all are familiar with Title IX, we know that that 
famous ruling in 1972 opened doors for girls and women by banning sex discrimination in all federally funded school programs, including sports. So while a judge noted that acrobatics and tumbling have made improvements, including more cohesive rules of competition and a better championship format, he said that uh, two organizations compete to oversee the activity and it is not recognized by the NCAA as a sport or even an emerging sport. And without that recognition, uh, Arco lacks what every other varsity men's team sponsored by Quinnipiac enjoys, the chance to participate in the NCAA-sponsored championship. But this goes a lot deeper. And it goes back to that old age-old thing from a lot of people that say that cheerleading is not a sport. It is in no way, uh, even along the same line, not me, but others who say it is not even along the same lines of your baseball or basketball or things that make up a sport. So the question here today, is it? Is cheerleading seen as a sport? Yes. I mean, <laughs> okay. Um, I am not going to be as loud and obnoxious as my sister would be had this been on the sports show. So there is my disclaimer to this whole thing. No, cheerleading is a sport. It is not a competition. It is a sport. If I had to pay a sports fee in my school to participate in cheerleading, uh, it's a sport. I'm sorry. I did participate in cheerleading. I participated in the dance team. I participated in the non-sport kind of stuff. But then I also participated in track, which is a sport. There are some things out there that I don't think are sports that people call sports. Driving a car is not a sport. (laughs) I do it on a daily basis. Just because I don't go 200 miles an hour in an oval and make left turns does not mean that I'm not. If it's a sport, then I'm doing a sport every single day. I'm a professional athlete. It just doesn't make sense. There's there's things out there that I I cringe when people try to argue with me about the, the, you do it. If you if you don't think it's a sport, then you do it. Because if it's not a sport, then everybody can do it. At a now, drop of a hat. Uh, I can't yeah. flip over 500 times and, and have somebody throw me in the air and, not, and trust that they won't drop me on my head. Sorry, can't do it. Can't. Now, I'm in agreement with you that it should be a sport because if you've seen on ESPN the National Cheerleading Championships whenever it comes on, I don't know what you don't call that. That is, I mean, what they are doing is the same things that are done in Olympic Games when you, you know, especially with uh, uh, the people on the, you know, it requires balance, it requires athleticism, it requires a lot of things, and these people who break a sweat, I'm not sure what more you need to qualify as a sport. Why do you think that cheerleading is getting such disrespect from people who don't want to even put it in the pantheon as such other sports as maybe even a golf or even um, gymnastics or what have you? It's the outfits and then that they're always smiling and that they have ponytails and that they yell out things like, Go fight, win! And I didn't yell it because, well, I could be much louder. That's why. I really think it's because they wear skirts with little briefy things underneath that sometimes have words and sometimes don't. They get flipped around in the air, and they're always smiling and happy and great and all this other stuff, and everything's just wonderful. In the 50s, when the skirts were down to the floor, yes, cheerleading was not a sport. 
those pom-poms and those skirts and those outfits, all they were doing were leading people in and cheers, really. That's why they were mm-hmm. cheerleaders. These girls and guys that are doing what this is now, I don't even want to call it cheerleading. It is It is a sport. It is. It takes skill. It takes stamina. It takes finesse. It takes timing. It takes athleticism, things that I don't have. And those five things are in every sport. Look at football. It takes skill. It takes timing. It takes finesse. It takes stamina. These are things that happen in sports. These these people, guys and girls both, because it's both, they are doing a sport, and I think it's it's stupid to not call it one. In the 50s, maybe not. Now, absolutely. These people are athletes. Oh, no you've, got, you've got skill. <laughs> Well, I feel the with the Z. That's different. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree with you because the thing is, is that it to me it should be. I mean, because like I said, with golf, yes, there is a movement where you're going from you know, and you're swinging at a ball. But in cheerleading, you know, there is movement also in which you know you are flipping in the air, like you said, and moving all everywhere on that in in. I'd say watch an ESPN broadcast of competitive cheerleading. Then try and see if you can do the same thing at home without breaking into a sweat or somebody calling 911 for you. At that <laughs> point, I think you'd have to agree that it should be considered a sport. Because it is. It has changed from the day in which, like you said, there was just the pom-pom and go-fight team and they stood there. It has changed now to a lot more dramatic in which – there is a lot more, as we said, and the judge even said, this is why I said it was so hypocritical in a ruling, because he said even though there was acrobatics and other things added, it still wasn't enough for sport. And I was like, but yet we would consider, you know, uh, acrobatic feet sporting. Gymnastics? Yet, yes. It's an Olympic and it sport. Is, yeah. And I was like, and there is, you know, granted, you know, cheerleaders at a college or a university don't get judged NCAA-wise, there's nobody there saying, well, you guys had good cheers today, but I'm going to deduct the point because you missed the blah, blah, blah. No, it doesn't happen like that. But there are competitions. Last week you fell. Yeah. But I was like, but there are competitions, which I think at the end of the day you would have to, there's no way, and I'd love to see somebody argue against this, about not calling it a sport. Just because it is not a constantly judged sport, these kids uh, because there are men and women that do this, they are athletes, which I think it should be accepted and seen as a form of athleticism. That's all i got to say about that. So, <sighs> And if you want to argue some more, I can go for hours on end on this one. Give me a call. Tweet, <laughs> Facebook, I will be more than happy to go through this. Uh, I tell you. But I came up, uh, well, now that we're done with, that one. Uh, <laughs> it was a very interesting article that I ran across from Glamour Magazine. And the long and short of it was uh, from a young lady there uh, that talked about the rise of the quote cougar phenomenon. And uh, it seems as a society, we're still more into the May December relations uh, when uh, the guy is the December, is it, or is it May? But According to her article, uh, she was looking to see what the ideal was 
between an older man and a younger woman, or vice versa. Uh, specifically, four years or four months older, which was the average ideal age gap as reported by a survey of 2,000 adults. Now, while slightly less than half of people said that there was no ideal age gap, 33% of women wanted a guy up to seven years older than them, while only one out of 100 women preferred a younger man. And uh, also, 55% of women said they couldn't afford rent or uh, the biggest reasons cited for preferring older guys. 55% of women said they couldn't afford rent or mortgage on their own. And it brought up an interesting question because I think we talked about this before in the past. With and I know we had this not argument but this debate when we talked about Taylor Swift and how she should date an older guy, but then we talked about the fact that it shouldn't be too old, but old enough as to where it's still within that age gap, where it didn't seem too creepy. But should there, or is there an age gap that's at that point considered norm, or one that's probably considered too creepy? Now, of course, we all look at Hugh Hefner and his now wife. Yes, that's considered creepy, but what is considered the normal gap I don't know what a normal gap is. Normal went out the window years ago. <laughs> I can tell you that my quote-unquote gap before I decided that I don't have a gap um, was five years either way. Um, so five years older, five years younger. That put him in the same kind of experience bracket, I guess, for the lack of a better term. Um they would have experienced some of the same things that I experienced. They would remember some of the same things that I remember. Now, there'd be a few, obviously, there'd be a few differences here and there, and, of course, you know, everybody's different for what they experience. But that would be, like, ideal if I had to choose, um, and that was basing something on age only. That would be the ideal difference, and, you know, like, that would be the extremes for me, five years. Anything more than that or less than that, it tends to be in that weird, like, now, if they were counting, like, 10 years younger than me, they wouldn't remember certain things. Like, I remember well, see, stuff that, from the 80s. Well, uh, I'm going to stop you for a second because I want to I want to make sure I get that question correct. You said five years. Now, would that be man versus woman gap or would that be woman versus guy gap? Is there a difference? What do you mean? Like, I said so, either like, way. For example, like, you have to... Okay, so both ways. Okay, that's what I was asking because I was like, you know, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know how most people now are used to older guys dating younger women. But a lot mm-hmm. of people, I think, are still trying to get used to, quote, the cougar lifestyle where you see, you know, on the reality shows, the 60-year-old woman dating a 30-year-old guy. You know, I was like, they, they creeps them out in that retrospect. But if it was, say, a Michael Douglas, Catherine Zeta-Jones thing, some people are like, oh, okay, yeah, he's dating that a younger woman. That's a just the Yeah. It looks like she's walking around with her father. <laughs> but that's beside the point. That's off topic. Um, we'll talk about that later. Uh, no, I meant either way. Like, I could be five years older than the person I was dating or to, to attached to. I would be okay with that being five years older. Because, again, the, still, the experience in there is going to be the same. Um, we'd exp- If I went and started talking about Thundercats, you know, and oh my God, that was one of my favorite things. And you know, when I was watching cartoons when I grew up, a five-year difference. They may not have caught Thundercats. They may have caught the tail end of Thundercats. They may have seen it on reruns or whatever. 
But at least it'd be like, oh, no, you know, I was more of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle person. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, at least it's in the same era. It's not, oh, well, I grew up on SpongeBob. Excuse me? Yeah. I started watching that when I was in college. Now I feel old. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I think it, the and well, I guess it's whatever you're comfortable with. There's also that. And then maturity level. I mean, that all comes into play. So if I found a 21-year-old that was mature, that was, uh, that I felt comfortable with, sure, okay. That's, what, 10, 13 years, 14 years difference? Yeah. I would be squarely in the cougar category. Right. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I think you know you're you're along the lines of being right there. Is that you know there, it's pretty much the same. I think for men or women, I, I think if it, it's kind of unfair to always put the label that it's okay for guys not to be, you know, it's not okay for women, um, and that yeah, there probably is. I almost would put it somewhere between five and seven. Even though I think the seven, the additional couple of years, is all dependent upon where you're at in life. Because if you are, say, 39 years old and you want to date someone that's 32, if that's a mature 32 and they're there in life, because you know, there's still a lot of immature 32-year-olds, uh, <laughs> I think it's okay. It's not going to freak me out. Uh, but if you are, say, 45 and you're dating a 32-year-old, I'm going to look a little twice. You know, I was like, it's a little bit over. Um, so I'm kind of okay with it to, compared to where it's at, where you're at in life too. Because I was like, I'm not going to excuse it if you're 80 and somebody is 20. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's that's gold digging at its best. There uh, is no much. way. I love you like a grandfather. That's where that's at. <laughs> or you have a grandfather that can be there. No, I love him. Baloney. <laughs> Baloney. You love his bank card. That's what you love. Um, yeah, that's gold digging at its best. And I'm saying guys and girls because there are men out there that are gold diggers too. So. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> On both sides of the coin. No, yeah, you're right. And you have to be comfortable with it. I mean, I, like I said, if I found a 21-year-old that I felt comfortable with, that I could walk out and be just as confident as I am walking around with another 30 immature 35-year-old, you might get the same kind of result, you know. So. But you know what to think about that? Maybe it's just me. Uh, I was like, at that point, if it was an older man, younger woman, isn't it funny that we all think that it's mostly about the money? But if, and this is just some people, and I'm going to get in trouble if I put this out there, but if it was an older woman, younger guy, it pretty much is about sex at that point. Because they're I looking think that's for great. Sex. Well, no, 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 no. They no, don't think like, that I'm rich. They think that I'm sexy. Well, no, it might not even be at that point. <laughs> but you might just have him as a boy toy for somebody that's young, and you're pretty much paying for things just to keep him around because he's young. You know, it's oh, like, no, it always no, seems kind of bad. It's almost like two different things. But yeah. Well, no, you're right. When you look at an older man with a younger woman, you think gold digger. When you look at a younger man with an older woman, you think sex pot. Pretty much. I think that's amazing because that's completely the opposite of what we normally do, which is guys are studs and women are the bad words that I don't want to say. So when it comes to sex and money and that kind of thing. So that that's a big role reversal on that one. Hmm. Well, I think that's awesome. So you I want to be sexy. What, oh, you are, but 
Um, no, I mean I want to be sexy with a boy toy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, things could happen. They could take care of my house. <laughs> Clean. <But> tell, us, <laughs> tell us what you think. Though. I'd love to know what people think about this. So always share your comments with us over on Twitter at newscommentbtr, uh, or you can go to our web page in which uh, we update it every week at uh, newscommentbtr.wix.com forward slash fan page. And another story today was one that kind of troubled me a little bit. And I'm still trying to come to grasp at this, but if you are familiar with what's going on in New York, Michael Bloomberg is having this fight against things that are bad for you. (laughs) And uh, this past week, uh, his soda ban, uh, which would have prohibited eateries from selling non-diet soda and other sugary drinks in quantities greater than 16 ounces, was pretty much struck down uh, by the courts there. And he said that he will uh, plan to appeal the decision, and he sees the measure as an effective tool in curbing obesity, primarily among poor people who, quote, don't have the ability to take care of themselves as well as wealthy people do. Yes, he actually said that. Now, the health-conscious mayor made the comment just hours before the judge ruled against the controversial ban, and he also discussed the prevalence of obesity among low-income families. He says, with so many poor neighborhoods suffering the worst of this epidemic, it would be irresponsible not to try to do everything we can to save lives. And research does support his claim that there has been a rise in obesity among disadvantaged people. According to the Food Research and Action Center, obesity rates rose by 10% for all U.S. children aged 10 to 17 between 2003 and 2007. But the rates increased by 23% during the same time period for low-income children. And a lot of people, while they supported his efforts, his critics will quickly show that one simple ban might not make that significant of a dip in the waistlines of the seriously overweight. And a lot of them were saying, why not insist on maximum calorie limits on everything else restaurants serve, like cheese and steak and dessert? And it says, when you single out one product, but exempt others from a similar kind, you send a message that those who legislate do so unfairly. On top of that, the city also wants young New Yorkers to hear its latest public health warning that loud and clear cranked-up headphones can be dangerous to your hearing. And the city is planning to spend $250,000 in social media and marketing campaigns to warn teens that they, uh, what they risk by hearing loss from listening to personal music players at high volume. Uh, high volume. And uh, it raised 70000 so far uh, from one donor who asked to remain anonymous. And the plans got mixed reviews, of course, again, from headphone users, young people saying that, you know, just because it's put out there, you can't really control what people do. Now, is it a little bit of an overreach for people to be telling you what to drink and what to do? Because I have a problem with this. Not so much I applaud the mayor for trying to do something, because there are um, – Lot of, there's a lot of childhood obesity, and yes, it can happen in some urban or economically influenced areas where it can happen. But I just have a problem with government overreach when it comes to saying, well, you're poor, you don't know any better, so pretty much we have to show you the way. Because if it starts there, where does it go next? Exactly. No, no, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, I know plenty of rich people that can take care of themselves that are fat. Yeah, and that was the thing. I I, I was a little bit disappointed in the mayor's reasoning behind all of this because it's a weak Mm -hmm. excuse. Because just as much as poor people can't afford the 
things such as vegetables or, you know, more no, they healthy. Can well, they can, but, I mean, if they really want to. What they can't afford to... is personal trainers that come to their house every day yeah. at exactly the same time and not have to be at a work, you know, at a workstation 10 hours a day, five days a week, sitting on their butt staring at a computer. That's what poor people yeah. can't afford. Yeah. And it just to, to me, it seemed like a weak excuse as to why he was trying to do what he was trying to do. But I have a problem with you now telling me it's kind of like, well, you're too dumb to know that this much, you know, to drink is bad for you. So we're just going to pull those cups away. Really? Yep. You know, no one's. And then, a... then the headphones, and then next they're going to tell yeah. me that I can't wear tie shoes because I don't know how to tie my own shoes. So I have to wear slip-ons. And then next, you know, it's going to be, well, zippers are dangerous because you don't know how to do a zipper. So everybody's going to wear these specific kind of pants. And it's just mm-hmm. a slippery slope. I mean, where do you stop? Yeah, I'm not going to say that it's – I'm not – I, I was against the cigarette ban. Now, granted, I was a smoker. I was, was, past tense, a smoker. I am no longer a smoker. And I still am against the smoking ban. Not that I want it around me or my kids or anybody else, but it's the, you're telling me, when I was a smoker, you're telling me that I can't? You just told me that I had to be a certain age to buy it. I got carted at the store to buy them. Now that I've bought them because I've proven that I'm old enough to buy them and that you guys said that I was all right, and it has the warning labels on there about what it can do to my health, now you're telling me I can't use them. Why didn't you just not let me buy them in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, it opens up an ugly Pandora's box because I was like, if you're going to stop the soda, and plus, it's not really mm-hmm. stopping it. It's just saying 16 ounces because at that point, right. soda is not the only issue in regards to childhood obesity. Chips, mm-hmm. fast food, you know, I was mm-hmm. like, well, the list goes yep. on and on. Candy, what are you going to do? Ban all candy sales and fast food and everything else out of New York? Because if you're going to. Over if a you're certain size, to... you can only buy a fun size bag of M&M's. Yeah, and I was going to. You know what happens, go- right? Yeah. You buy 15 fun bags instead of just the one. I'll well, buy see, seven sodas instead of the one 32-ounce soda. Yeah, and one of the things that I heard about is because of this soda ban in New York, a lot of restaurants who had the larger glasses now have to do with that. But, of course, what's going to happen is that if someplace, say, such as a restaurant, thrives off of the large soda sales, they're now going to put more on a medium or a small and pass it off to Joe Consumer who still wants his soda fix. So yep. while it may stop you from drinking that soda, now we've got an issue as to where people are going to get charged more to make up for the lost sales of the large soda that they could not sell. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. There's so many bad parts to this. I don't – this is where I, this is where I get to say government doesn't think. Like they lose their brain when they walk into a government building. I seriously think that, but that's a whole discussion for another day. But yeah, that's a slippery slope. It's just, it's not very, it's not a good thought. Yeah, and not to say that we're sitting here bashing, you know, the well intentions of trying to get people healthy. It's just that when it gets to a point of where you treat adults who have this option like they're five years old, well, you don't know any better, and plus you're poor, so we're going to speak what's best for you. Then I have an issue. And it is, you know, I know people are going to be like, well, what about the health care? That's a totally different thing. But um, 
this pretty much is now telling me I don't know any better since I'm buying a large soda. So pretty much you're going to take away the large cups, and all I have left is now medium and small. Really? You know, it, it just it, it makes no sense. But we will have to leave it there, and we'll have to leave it up to debate for you guys out there as to whether uh, it is overreach or whether it is something that is a gallant effort though I don't think he's going to go anywhere with the headphone thing. That's totally going to be over people's heads on that one. But uh, we've got about 90 seconds to go. Any shout-outs for this week? No. No. Ah. Um, I'm going to be doing uh, Nevada Reading Week is next week. Nevada Reads for a week. It's really yes. nice. Yes, <laughs> glad, <to, laughs> glad that you all get a chance Yes, it's glad that you all get a chance to read. So um, stay tuned to uh, Twitter if we are doing a show next week or if we are doing something or if we aren't doing something. But um, I will see everybody on Sunday night for the 401 Lounge. You know, I looked the other day. We have done on Blog Talk, or I've done on Blog Talk Radio, 100 and today 87 shows and counting. We are coming up soon on 200 shows, and at the current rate that we are going, it will be sometime in May. So I'm trying to get ideas from people as to what the 200th show should be. So uh, if you have an idea, news comment, BTR. 200 shows, that's quite – I told somebody when I first started this, I had no idea how many we'd do, and I just have to say even through 187, thank you for listening. That's my shout-out for the week. <laughs> thank you for listening mm-hmm. if you are. Thank you for your comments and feedback. And uh, – with that, since Mary has no shout-outs, and I... Oh, well, well, there's one. Happy belated Pi Day. Pi. Ah. You, know, you know, I was in a uh, fraternity uh, in college called I Ate a Pie. Does that count? <laughs> God. No, it doesn't. All right. Well, with that, we'll have to end it right here because the clock on the wall is telling us we're out of time, just in time. So for Mary, I'm Lamar. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time on page one. Peace.